You are listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at journeycc.net. Today's message is brought to you by Scott McFarland. We hope you enjoy. Thank you, guys. We are returning. Appropriate song for what we're going to talk about today out of Mark chapter 14. If you're new with us, we've been going through a series called Chosen. Appropriate to talk about Chosen because this week there's a series, a, a basically a documentary and a, and, a, and a video series called Chosen that is actually airing through this week to prepare for Easter, the first of eight series that they are producing on the chosen disciples of Jesus. I'd encourage you to watch that. And today we're in Mark chapter 14 as we navigate through their story according to Mark. I wanted to ask you a question to begin. Those of you that are at home, you can answer this around your family room. But just turn to the person next to you. What's the fanciest dinner you've ever attended? Like elegant, fancy, extravagant. Have any of you attended a fancy dinner that you would call fancy? Anybody here? Okay, a few of you. Imagine yourself at the fanciest dinner of all. Robert Kirkpatrick of Ohio was invited to probably the fanciest dinner that the United States offers, a state dinner at the White House. He was invited back in 2002 to go, to leave Ohio, go to the White House, and be a part of this state dinner. There was only one problem. Robert Kirkpatrick was serving a prison sentence in Belmont Correctional Institute. So when he got the RSVP to respond to the state dinner, here's what he replied to the party that invited him. I would love to attend, yes, for sure, but you're going to have to pull some strings to get me there. Come on, now that's just funny. (laughs) You were invited to the fanciest dinner of all, and you respond to the president, I'd like to come, but you're going to have to help me. And I think that that's an interesting response from him, and I think that's exactly what I want to talk about today in Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, Jesus is getting closer and closer to the cross. He's about two days away from facing the cross. This last two days, uh, the Wednesday and the Thursday, the Passover time, happens in Mark chapter 14. And today, in the center of that picture, I want to talk about the table that he invited people to. I want to use this whole chapter, kind of walk through the whole chapter with you today, focusing on who was invited to the table of Jesus. Because you think it's fancy to be invited to a president's table. Imagine being invited to the king of kings table. Imagine being invited to the Lord of lords, your savior's table. Wouldn't you want to be there? Anybody here? Would anybody want to be there? Would any of you at home want to be there? I I want to focus our attention on who was at the table that day. And then at the end of this, and I hope you have these, and if you are at home, I want you to be prepared with some cracker and juice or water, whatever. I want you to have communion ready. And if you need one of these, there's more in the back. I would encourage you right now, if you're here in the audience, I would encourage you to make sure everybody has one before we get to the end of the message. Because guess what? You are invited to the table. And it may not look very fancy, but it's the most elegant, most important, most crucial life-giving dinner you'll ever be invited to. Mark chapter 14, in the center of the passage, 
has this passage, this little story. Mark must have been there because he witnessed what that table was about. It says on the first day of the festival of unlimited bread, that's the Passover, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to prepare for this incredible feast? This is like the most fancy thing of all. Where do you want us to find a place for all of your disciples to attend? And so he sent, Jesus sent two of his disciples telling them, go into the city, a man will be carrying a jar of water, we'll meet you, follow him, say to the owner of the house he enters, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. And the disciples left, went into the city, found things just as Jesus had said. They, so they prepared the Passover. And when evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. And here's where I want to pause. They were reclining at the table eating. Now just hold right there. I just want you to see, think about, think about that table and about who's at the table with Jesus. Who's, who's, who's sitting with Jesus at his Passover table. They don't know this yet, but Jesus is their Passover. They don't know this yet, but they're sitting with the Lamb of God. And here's people sitting around that table, and this is where I want to go through Mark chapter 14, in that one of those chairs was Judas. Judas, one of his disciples. Judas, who carried the money bag for Jesus. Anytime that people donated to the ministry, he would carry the money and he would allocate the money out for the expenses that the ministry had. And he'd be really careful about who got the money and how much he got to pocket. He was, he was really budget conscious. And Judas is sitting at the table and he's and he's probably reflecting on what happened the day before, right at the beginning of Mark chapter 14. A day earlier, Jesus is at a different table. And while he's sitting out there eating lunch or dinner at another table of Simon the leper, Mark 14 says, this woman shows up. Now we know from the book of John that this is Mary, the sister of Martha. And she's got this alabaster jar, this expensive jar of nard. It's perfume for the rich. People saved up life savings to buy something like this to anoint people or to use it for one big, fancy, special occasion. And here she shows up with this jar and she breaks off the top of the lid and she pours this nard over Jesus and she soaks him in his hair and covers him with his feet, washes his feet, kisses them, wipes them with her hair. And while she's doing this humble act, there's Judas. Probably other disciples talking with him. But there's Judas, and you know what Judas is saying? Oh, why did she waste that? She should have sold it and gave me the money. Why did she go all out of her way to give such an extravagant gift to Jesus? There's so many better things she could have done with that. And I think, I think the whole group's saying that. But he's the one instigating it because that's just the character of Judas. Judas, the guy who's sitting at the table of Jesus the next day, is the one that's thinking about how he's going to make more money off of Jesus in the process. And you know what he's doing? He, he walks out of that event that day before. He goes and finds the chief priests and elders, and he sells Jesus out for a couple of tokens of silver. He betrays the Savior of the world by his behavior, trying to profit off of Jesus or use the world, go for the world, get the things out of the life that they wanted instead of 
honoring the Savior and Messiah that he sits at a table with. And listen, I just, you know, after this past two weeks, I've just been so burdened by Judas. Because let me just say this, this is just me. I'm saying this online, I'm saying this to you after what happened in Atlanta last week and what happened at Boulder this past week and other shootings in Virginia Beach and all that. When you devalue life in order to satisfy yourself, you are betraying the life that died for you. Do you understand that? I was so disheartened to read that the church never spoke up to this individual that went into Atlanta and killed all these people. And I'm speaking up today. It's not appropriate. No person should ever do that. And if you're a believer in Jesus, you would stand against it. That's unacceptable. Because we're betraying the one who died for us when we do those kinds of acts. There, I said it. And I hope you heard it. And here's Judas <laughs> sitting at the table of the one who's going to go to the cross in just a few hours, betraying Jesus. He needs to repent. He needs to turn back. He needs to do what we just sang about. He needs to return before his whole life is destroyed. And this is his chance. And you know what he does? He gets up from the table and leaves. That's one of them at the table. Look at, look at further on in the story of Mark chapter 14. There's another group that are described in this whole experience. They were the other ones around the table. All the disciples that were there for the Passover, they were just there with Jesus. John says before they even walked in the door, Jesus is washing their feet. That's how much he loves them. <laughs> They're sitting around the table and Jesus is burying his heart. Somebody's going to betray me at this table. And they're like, well, as long as it's not me, as long as I'm not the one, Jesus. And they sit there and enjoy what Jesus has been doing with them for three years. But just a few hours later, they're out in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane, you come out Jerusalem, out to the east side, and it's down in this valley. And down in this valley is this small garden. We always think of it as big, but it's just a small area where olive trees grew. Jesus takes his disciples down there. It's kind of his place of prayer. And he goes to the guys and says, guys, I was just with you. I was just talking about the Passover. I was just sharing the body and blood with you. Now listen, here's what I want you to know. I know it's a little late, but keep your eyes open and stay awake. Watch and pray. Guys, you've been with me for three years. I've done all this with you. Please just watch and pray with me. I need your help, guys. This is so hard. Help me. Watch and pray with me for just an hour. And the text says that twice Jesus goes off and then he comes back. And guess what? They're sleeping Come on, guys, wake up. I need you, and this is my hour. I need you right now. Goes off and prays again, comes back. Can't you just stay awake? Just be with me for an hour? Can't you just stick with me here? Oh, man, you ever slept on Jesus? You ever just kind of coasted on him? Said, okay, thanks, Jesus. You've been taking care of me. I just need a break, Jesus. I just, I don't, like... I just need to do my own thing for a while, Jesus. No, please, I know we were just at your table. I know you just invited me there, but I just need some time. 
I feel like this past year has been challenging to see if we just need some time away from Jesus. I fear that many of us have kind of fallen asleep on Jesus. And Jesus comes back and he wakes him up, please watch and pray. The spirit is willing. I know, guys, your spirit's willing, but the flesh is, anybody remember? The flesh is weak. It's so hard. I know it's hard to live this life. But you're my disciples. You're part of my table. I need you to wake up. And friends, maybe that's a word to us today. If you're part of the body of Christ, maybe today's the day that Jesus is prodding you to say, wake up. (laughs) Wake up. we got a world to reach. Wake up. There's people that don't know me yet. Wake up. I'm God over a virus. Wake up. The disciples were there and they were sleeping away and Jesus says, I need you to be awake. And then there's, a, there's another person there that you may have never heard this out of Mark chapter 14, may never have talked about it, but there's just these two verses. Let me read them to you. Verse 51 and 52. <laughs> I'm so glad these are in the Bible. Like there's things in the Bible. I'm just glad they're there because it shows real life. 51, 52. I'm just reading the words to you. I'm not making this stuff up here. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment, his PJs, was following Jesus in the garden. And when they seized him, he fled naked, leaving the garment behind. I'm not kidding you folks. If you're watching online, this is really in the Bible. The first and only streaker I know in the scriptures. Come on, that's pretty funny. But notice what he's doing. He's running in time of crisis. He's abandoning Jesus so he can save his own skin. I like what we just sang at communion, that you're, you're closer than my skin. Jesus wants to be that close to us, and here's one trying to run from him at the moment of need. You ever run from Jesus? You ever said, you know what, Jesus, I, I'm grateful for what you've done in my life, but I'd really prefer my own pleasures. I'm really, I'm fine with what you teach me about forgiveness, but I'd rather do my own sin. I know that, Jesus, you call me and you tell me you've got the power of God with me and the Holy Spirit, but I'd rather just live my own life. I'm just going to take off for a little while. I'll I'll come back. I'll be a prodigal. I'll come back later when it's convenient. But for right now, I've got to run. You ever run from Jesus? Most of us have. And what we need to do is exactly what we just sang. We need to return. If you can run away, you can run back. And there isn't a distance far enough away from Jesus that you can't return to him. Most commentators think that this was Mark himself. That Mark inserted this one, two-verse story to show that he, too, along with the disciples were around the table that day and ran from him in his time of need. So there it is. You know, you got Judas and you got the disciples and you've got, you've got Mark himself who writes this gospel and then there's one other person that's talked about in Mark 14. Right after all of this happens, Jesus had warned him, Peter, there's going to come a moment tonight 
where you're going to deny me three times. Before the rooster crows twice, 9 a.m., before, before morning hits, you're going to deny me three times. Peter, no, no, Jesus. Listen, Jesus, I've been sitting at your table for three years. I am your leader. I'm the one with the charge to lead your church. I'm the one that you said is your rock. I'm not going anywhere, Jesus. I'll stand and fight for you. Until Caiaphas' house, which is south of Jerusalem, we, stat, we stood in the garden where Peter would have been around a campfire watching what is going on inside the house, maybe in the basement with Jesus, trying to hear details about what's happening in the middle of the night and somebody comes up to say, hey, aren't you one of them? I think I saw you with Jesus. No, 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 no. I don't know what you're talking about. Another person a little bit later, I think, I think you're the one. I think you're with Jesus. No, no, I, I don't know him. And a third person shows up. Come on, you must be a believer of Jesus. You, you even sound like one. No, absolutely not. Never heard of the guy. The rooster crows. You know what? I'm afraid most of us fit into this category. We're good about talking about Jesus on Sunday, but don't bring him up Monday through Saturday. Good, good about saying we believe in Jesus when we sing worship to him, but I'm not so sure we're ready to stand for him publicly when we get challenged on scripture or told that we must be a phobic of something in order to stand with Jesus on anything. Listen, this is so heartbreaking for me because I know I've done this and I'm sure you have too. When Jesus himself gives us his word, and we deny his word in order to stay publicly in the reputation of people around us, you are, you are being Peter. You are denying him. You are disowning him. And instead of running and crying away, we should be crying back to him. I mean, this is Peter, the guy who sat at the table with Jesus, the leader that's appointed to lead the disciples, and in the moment of crisis... He abandons Jesus, disowns him publicly. Friends, I don't know about you, but I don't know if I want to be at that table. Look what happened. Every single one that Jesus invited to the table that night left him in the moment he needed them. That's the table and the people invited. I, I specifically wanted this table today to share this message with you because it reminds me so many times of my childhood. I don't know about you guys, but when we had big like Thanksgiving, Easter, Christmas dinners with family, we would go and see my grandma and grandpa, and they had, they had six kids, my mom being one of them, and so all of the in-laws and all of the grandchildren would be there, 40, 50 of us, packed into this large kitchen, country kitchen, big table for the adults, and then there was this table. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? The kiddie table. That table where... As I became a teenager, that was absolutely not the table I wanted to sit at. Can I get an amen? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. 
There were people around that table I didn't want to be around. And maybe Jesus knew. There were people around his table that night that he still wanted to be around knowing what they were going to do. Friends, when you come to the communion table, you don't come holy. You come as runners, as disowners, as betrayers. You come as people who have denied Jesus and left Jesus and hurt Jesus, and yet he still welcomes you. That's the Lord's Supper. That's why we practice it every week. That's why we, even when on broadcast for the last year, we keep encouraging you to take time to remember the body and blood of Jesus. Because that moment is your moment to come to his table and be forgiven. That's your moment to discover that Jesus' love for you goes beyond what you do to him. That's your moment to remember that you're still invited. So while they were reclining at that table, Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, somebody's going to betray me. I think that reads differently now. Not just Judas is going to betray him, but everybody at the table is going to do something against Jesus. And they were saddened, and surely not me, surely not me, it's one of you, and he dips his bread into the bowl, and the Son of Man will go, just as it's been said about him. But woe to the people who betray the Son of Man. It would be better for them if they had not been bored. And then while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. And he said, listen, Betrayers, runners, disowners. This is my body. It's still given for you. And then he gave, took the cup, the, the cup that represented the new covenant in the Passover feast, and he said, I am the new covenant. This is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And as often as you drink it, you need to remember me. See, friends, you don't just celebrate some event that happened back in Egypt. You celebrate the fact that you get to sit at the table of the king of kings. You celebrate the fact that even with all that we've done wrong, he's forgiven us. Come on, give me an amen on that. You, you came today not to worship a dead man, but to celebrate a risen Savior. And he invites you back. He welcomes you. Which leads me to the one person that I want to land on today. The one that started this chapter. That woman that came to Jesus with her alabaster jar. 
the woman that came seeking the forgiveness of Jesus for all of her sin, the one that came with repentance as her motive, the one that came to give Jesus her best, she's the only one that was actually doing what she was supposed to at the table of Jesus. And that's what he's looking for from you today. He's not looking for you to be perfect. He doesn't expect you to be holy. He just wants you to repent and come running back to him. So friends, that's what we're going to do today. I hope you have your communion ready. I want this to be a holy moment for you. It needs to be personal because Jesus is personal. Every time you take of this, you're to remember the cross. And the one who laid down his life so that you and I could be forgiven. And I tell people, every time you take of this, I want you to remember your baptism because that's the visible moment where you can remember you died to sin and you've risen again with his glory and his love. So today as a family, we take and eat. This is his body given for you. And after supper, he took the cup. And he says, take and drink. This is my blood shed for you. See, this is not a symbolic ceremony. This is real. It's personal. And Jesus invites you back to his table. And no matter where you attend church, no matter if you're watching at home or not, you are always invited to the table of Jesus. And Jesus, thank you. Thank you doesn't even seem strong enough for what you did that night to sit at a table with people that you knew were going to betray you and deny you and run from you and disown you, sleep on you. And even today, you know that about us too. And yet, you invite us to your table. Sinners, broken, lost. But still you go to the cross. That's what we remember this week. That's what Holy Week is all about. Help it to become personal to us. Let it sink in deeply as we come to your table. And may you get all the glory, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.
Thank you for listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. If you would like to support us as we pursue God and love people one at a time, please consider a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeycc.net slash giving.